You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's September 21st, wrapping up Notre Dame versus South Florida from last weekend, 52 to nothing whitewashing. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated and Pete Sampson from The Athletic. I'm not sure how much this proved team-wise moving forward, but there were sure a whole bunch of individuals that got a chance to play and, and to do some good things. And in the year of COVID, when it's extremely necessary to build your depth, Notre Dame is doing it better than probably at any time since the Lou Holtz era. Certainly proved more than, you know, this kind of game would in normal circumstances, right? Yeah. You know, it's a, a normal circumstance that you wouldn't really care how Cam Hart looked or what, um, you know, KJ Wallace played or, you know, the Jack Kaiser situation. So it's, yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I thought they did a really nice job. Um, you know, it's like Kaiser was excellent live. And I guess that maybe it was sort of in my own head later, but I thought Cam Hart was really good. And I, I, I didn't get that vibe watching the game in person, but watching the tape, I was like, dang, yeah, he's really around the ball a lot. Uh, the Kaiser situation is the situation, too, because you'd have to explain to me what anyone has seen that does not allow Jack Kaiser to contend for the starting job this week immediately, no matter who's back. I know they're not going to be back necessarily, but let's say everybody's back and ready. What have you ever seen from Shane Simon, even Jack Lamb of the Dime, and Maris Leofau that you haven't, that Jack Kaiser did not? I don't have, I don't have any, I, if I were the coach, I would name Kaiser the starter and that's that. And you move from there. And, and you, you know, you, like Brian Kelly said after the game and today that, you know, these other guys are involved and there's no reason to, to, you know, really, uh, you know, exclude them from the equation. But Jack Kaiser was the most productive football player. He joked about, he joked with Clark Lee. Why, Clark Lee, why hasn't he been in the starting lineup? Well, just keep him there. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think there's many arguments. Honestly, I really don't think there's many arguments. It's not like, it's not like fifth-year senior Asmar Bilal has a bad day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, or is yeah. coming off an injury. Or exactly. Right, nobody's right. nobody's established at that position. And the one of the four guys that played played it the best. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. It's, I mean, that's Kaiser's job now. And, and, but in the same, in the same way you needed to keep Kaiser ready, you have to keep Simon learning. No oh, sure. Ready no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And you get so, them reps. You know, I, I, yeah. I don't know necessarily if this is a game, well, we're not sure who's going to be available, but I don't know that necessarily the Wake Forest is a game where you can get those additional reps. If you can, you do. If you don't, you play the best guy. I, I mean, watch it. Look, he looked watching the the replay of it he looked every bit as good i guess my perspective was different than it normally is i had the same perspective both times but um he was really good i mean he's really good and he finds ways to stay uncluttered and even when he even when he's in the rubble he's pushing the rubble towards the ball carrier i i just was i was really really impressed with and this is why clark lee loved him it was hard for me to see that on high school film because I saw the little boys that were running around on the field <laughs> with him in single A football in Indiana. I mean, it, 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 the level of competition was really bad. And I'm always the first to say that, you know, you evaluate the player based upon the player and not the competition. But when he's just dominating single A, you have to wonder how that's going to translate. I believe someone told me that uh, he was running around against third graders um, and, on his high school tape. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's, it was excellent for, you know, some of the reasons you stated. And I mean, one of the other things that was impressive is he found out that morning he was starting, um, which is pretty wild to think about how Notre Dame staff was like, nope, he's definitely a third team guy all week. And then uh, come the day of the game, nope, you're a starter. And by the way, you're going to lead the team in tackles and get the game ball. A trio of run. Let me move on from that, Tim. A trio, I'm sorry, a trio of running backs all played really well. They all looked elusive. They all broke tackles. They all had about a five to seven yard running start on most of their running plays because the offensive line just blew South South Florida off the football. I thought, I thought Jared Patterson was the best of the group and not far behind was, was banks and, and Eichenberg and we can go from there. But, uh, I mean, it was all you can eat for their their running backs. But, you know, they're shifty. I think the zone blocking scheme is helping them. They have good vision. They broke tackles. 
they were all good. I just really like the way they run. It's it's fun to watch them run. You don't look and think there are more yards to gain out of those carries. Those those they really those three guys run hard. They run a little angry. Sebo Flemister, I think Pete, you had a great word. Was it rambling? If it wasn't rambling, that's Stampede. another good word. Stampede is even better. That's a better word. Yeah, it's just they are. Uh, there's no tippy toeing. There's no frustration with guys trying to turn the corner when they're running out there on the outside zone. It's it was fun to watch the running game. Um, but I don't think it was all that fun to watch the running game last year, most, most of the season, even when it was effective. <laughs> no. It was effective. It really wasn't. No, it was, I mean, it was just a lot of plowing into the line of scrimmage and hoping something broke. And now with the way Reese is calling it and the way they have the running backs seeing it, you can get to the outside. You know, a, a slow developing run play is not slow developing when your back is a little bit faster and knows where he's supposed to go. So well, that's true, and I and I do, I do think I do think the, the and I don't not too technical because not that I understand it completely, but I, the pin and pull is a little bit slower developing, and the and the zone read uh, is not. I love the word stampede for Flemister because he's not he's not as aesthetic looking as the other two guys running the football, but he is as effective. And and Brian Kelly said something today that I wrote after the game is that and that was. This offense, and again, it's just Duke and South Florida, so everything's in perspective. But Tommy Reese is quickly building an identity for this offense, both in terms of formations and personnel and how he's calling the game. And I love that he's accepted what their personnel is and that he's embraced it. As Brian Kelly almost had to apologize today at his press conference, well, we can still go spread. All right. Why? <laughs> well, I you don't can, but don't. With whom, <laughs> with whom with exactly? Whom? <laughs> with three tie guys. You can spread out Mayor if you want to and Tremble. That's fine with me. But there's, <laughs> just keep him out in the field. Now, it's, uh, I think at Reese has had seven really good quarters in, yeah, in I agree. so far this season. And we've had a couple moments where, you know, you know I think we said this on last week's that, you know, I want to see moments where when he calls a play, you're just like, Oh, damn, great call. And, you know, they had that third down screen to Jafar Armstrong, which I tweeted about being like a chip long special. Actually, it's a Reese special. He brought that from San Diego. That was uh, something he imported and then gave to Chip, and then Chip called it at the right time. So now it's sort of Reese's play. But I think he's got a bunch of that stuff happening, and I just I just sort of like where they are as an offense for maximizing what they have. Like, yes, this is not an offense that's going to score 30 points against Clemson. Um, it may it may struggle to get to twenty against Clemson, but uh, in terms of taking advantage of what they have right now and forming an identity, and then hopefully you can add stuff on later to to really round it out. I I like the way that they're starting. Here's what they here's what they have right now, and that is this: wide receivers have caught eleven passes for 110 yards. Running backs have caught eight passes for 150, and the tight ends have caught 13 passes for 152. So, uh, I mean, you're getting you're you're getting more yards per reception. I know you had the 75 yarder with with Williams, but even if you take that out, the re, the running back receptions are still averaging more than what the wide receiver receptions are averaging. So, you know, I don't you know people want more of a vertical game. Okay, who who would you like to do that with right now? Javon McKinley. I mean, Lindsey's back in the mix. Austin may not be far behind. Uh, Avery Davis is a guy that you can stretch the field with. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Lindsey. I mean, the fact that Book has not – the only pass Book has completed beyond 20 yards of the line of scrimmage was, oddly, the 17-yard touchdown to Avery Davis, which happened to be more than halfway through the end zone. Um, He hasn't hit anything else. So that's that's a concern. I mean, and we don't even see them really take a shot – but that might be getting into, hey, don't read too much into South Florida because it's South Florida. Yeah, and my goal for the game was to watch the receivers, and because Notre Dame ran so well, I got a little distracted with watching the receivers. But I will say the he threw an incomplete pass to, I don't know if it was McKinley or Tremble, a corner out. Tyler James and I at the exact same time were watching Braden Lindsay run a deep post. The safety was flat-footed. He, he did exist. It wasn't like he, didn't, he moved away. But mm-hmm. I'll, if you unleash – at the same time, we both said from 25 feet away from each other, throw it, because why not? You know, Lindsey has a step, the safety's flat-footed. I don't know if he didn't see it or he didn't trust it. I would like to think, now, of course, he missed an open man, so it's not like he made a terrible decision to throw it. He didn't make a good pass, but 
you don't want to see too many of those when you get Pittsburgh and Clemson, when Braden Lindsay's running down the pipes and a safety's flat-footed and you decide to do a, any other throw besides challenge them with your fastest guy. But yeah, as long as Lindsay has a nice, healthy October, I think we'll look at them a little bit differently going into November. Um, because they eased him back in. I mean, we were, what, I think sure. you guys said four touches would be I said, I'd love six. And that seemed, that seemed impossible well, as we watched the game. It, was yeah. it, it ended up being four. I think it was, I mean, he had a carry and three yeah. catches. Yeah. Uh, he took some shots too. I mean, you know, you really, they have to monitor that. They have to monitor how many shots he takes over the course of a game, over the course of a, you know, week and month. Uh, Ian Book played better certainly than he did, but to have to, you know, to have to think about, pocket presence and keeping your feet still and second and third progressions. If, and, and that was the whole point. Those were on the broadcast. Those were the things that were emphasized. Are you kidding me? I mean, is it, this is what we're still talking about at this stage that he has to, he has to think about his pocket presence going into his 25th start. Uh, you know, you can't, when you're, when you're throwing a fade to the corner to Wilkins, you got to put some air under it. You can't hit the safety in the helmet. I, I, I'm confused by all of it. I'm, I'm, that's not something Ian Book struggled with in his first, second, and third career start. It's a strange thing. Those throws were his layups. Uh, he was a quick decision maker. Maybe the decisions were easier. Maybe there was more people open. I'm just surprised that it's it is would linger right now. And he, I don't think he struggled with it in November. Maybe you could throw the ball up high to Chase Claypool. Maybe that was part yeah. of the thing, right? Yeah. No, it's. I mean, there you had the back shoulder attempted fade to Javon McKinley in the end zone. Well, I mean, that's a touchdown to Miles Boykin or Chase Claypool yeah. on the exact same throw. Um, but it's, it's strange to me that you're hearing for two straight weeks, the word manager used with a third year starting quarterback. Kyron Williams did it after Duke. Brian Kelly did it after um, South Florida. And then I think you could sort of see him be like, Ooh, I know, I know how, what people <laughs> know what when you say managers. Oh time. yeah. I, I, I don't yeah, mean manager, pulled, manager. I mean like manager. Uh, right. He pulled so, back real quickly on that, didn't he? Yeah, it was just like CEO. it's a weird place to be. It's a weird place to be. Last thing I want to comment, and we've got questions about all these guys, but Tommy Trumbull, you know, you talked about Chase Claypool, and I'm not saying he's Chase Claypool, but on the 26, 27-yard reception that was overruled along the sideline, that was so Chase Claypool-like because he grabbed the football and the ref thought that it moved as he fell out of bounds but there was no way that Tremble was going to release his grip on the football. He is the tight end version of Chase Claypool, though, and yes. I want to back you up because I was on a radio show in the South, and they asked me who's Notre Dame's next guy, and I said they have a tight end, not as fast, obviously, version of Chase Claypool, and that intrigued that, everybody. We're in and, agreement on that. Yeah. yeah, Claypool's a different cat in terms of his ability to run and stuff like that, but you it's a like different position. Like that 86-yarder that he had on Sunday? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the difference, I think, might be forever. Pete, what are your thoughts on Tremble? Um, I mean, he got mentioned a lot in the broadcast, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I thought that, you know, his blocking was excellent. And, you know, as far as like a receiving threat, I think he's really good. You know, is he is he Claypool in that way? I, I don't think he's that close to it. But um, certainly a reliable weapon for Ephraim Book, who, who trusts he's – that Tremble is going to be where he says he's going to be in the play call, which is a huge step in the right direction for him. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. Nobody's, he's not Claypool. We're not saying that. And he doesn't, they're about listed at the same height, but he doesn't have the same length as Claypool. No, no, he's not, I mean, he's not different, jacked right? up as Claypool either. No, 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 no. And he's, you know, he's, he's younger too. And so he's not quite. I was about to say, like, it's Tommy Tremble is pretty average Notre Dame tight end. And that's a big compliment. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I think Trimble is a more athletic that, I mean, Eifert was, Eifert was so coordinated. You have to throw that into his incredible athleticism. Um, he was probably the most athletic because of adding that in. Yeah. I, I don't mean Trimble is the specimen Claypool is. It's like, he is the, he's like the tight end athlete. Claypool was a unique athlete for a wide receiver. He's the tight Trimble's end a version of Claypool. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com. Segment two, burning up the boards, Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from Judge Arthur Vandalay. Is this a new, referring to South Florida game, 
is this a New Mexico Bowling Green situation where the opponent was so bad that the outcome means very little in the bigger picture? You know, there USF was worse than New Mexico and Bowling Green. I so, apologize publicly to New Mexico. Yeah, and Bowling Green so during I the think game. So. you have to consider that um, they couldn't complete a pass and they couldn't tackle anybody. So that that's part of it. But I think in the cases of Clarence Lewis, Sebo Flemister, Cam Hart, Jack Kaiser, I'm not sure it really matters. In the case of how Tommy Reese called plays, I'm not sure it really matters. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't read everything into it, but I, I do. I would read some into some of those positive performances. Their their quarterback is so bad that it actually might matter a little bit with Cam Hart though too. Like their their Fair. quarterback is so bad. Their quarterbacks were so bad at passing footballs. It was amazing. I mean, you, you there was zero threat. It yeah. was a weird thing to watch, actually. Come I had, on, I, like, well, I mean, people were coming back at me like, well, what do you think of Charlie Weiss's play calling? Are you serious? <laughs> exactly. I mean, seriously? I, don't, I have no idea what the play calling was like because he didn't have any players that could execute anything. They were awful. The only thing that was accurate about them was the speed of their – I mean, they do have some speedy skill guys, but if you can't get them the ball on the yeah, edge, yeah. you know, it, it just doesn't really matter. But to Pete's point, depth. I mean, they play depth because of the year that we're in. You can play more depth. Jordan Botello, I mean, he got a bunch of significant snaps. Alex Aaron, Aaronsberger did some really good things. The, the, the DBs, K.J. Wallace looking aggressive, looking good. I mean, I, I think from that standpoint, I mean, bigger picture, your team, no, but from the individual development of players and the inclination to do so, I think that's all real positive. Hey, Beasley, when will we learn if players unavailable on Saturday could end up being unavailable for Wake Forest? I mean, Man. I think we know they're all out, right? It's because well, here's what it would take. You got everyone who is in, the six who are in contact tracing are out. That's, that's set. The four who were positive, that would be a 10-day wait, which maybe technically would get you to Saturday, but that means you've missed essentially two weeks of practice. You're not playing in that either. So I'd assume, I would assume all 10 are out. And we don't know the result. I mean, they tested again on today, on right? They tested again yeah. Sunday. Okay. So yeah. there, there could be others. This could be this could be fairly disastrous. It has yeah, the potential yeah. of being fairly disastrous. And um, I'm also a little concerned for the bye week and people letting their guards down that have been careful because, I mean, the bye week is when you get a chance to do something as a college student if you're a Notre Dame football player, and they can't. They can't this year because the bye week, if you test positive during the bye week, you'll be out for Florida State. So it's – there. this is a – you would think there might be more contact tracing because it's it's spread across positions it's uh although i guess we found out roommates are involved more than position groups what did brian kelly say today i thought um the word was when he was describing isolation rather than quarantine um you're saying it's basically it's distance um dispersal of droplets and then there was something else along with the 3ds is how this happens and that's so they have actually been keeping the offense, the offensive linemen are testing every day. The defensive linemen are testing every day because right. there's so many of them. It's yeah. It, it was not a great time to have 10 people involved with this in week two after celebrating week one and their, and their self-discipline. I would say uh, just, you know, Notre Dame's university dashboard shows 337 tests done on Sunday, which I, my understanding is Notre Dame did antigen tests on Sunday morning and zero positive. So if that, if that's, encompasses the football program that's great then you're then you're sort of like back to even like what happened last week is not bleeding into this week in okay. terms of new tests and all of those numbers as far as we know have in 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 previous releases have included the football team right so yeah because be, it's yes. just all the tests all right. so that would be that would be very positive but it yeah. doesn't help it doesn't help the people that were out uh, last week and you have to assume that i mean wake forest is dealing with Similar things too. Uh, yeah. Yep. The the leading tackler from South Florida last week, he didn't play. Well, I don't know if he got, I don't know if he was injured in the Citadel. I I didn't find any information on him. So I mean, a similar thing can happen to Wake Forest, but it's going to be a bigger challenge. And I think 
you know, you get the first game in and you think, okay, everything's going to be back to normal. There is nothing normal and it won't be on a, on a week to week basis. ND one N 93, which surprise is greater? The apparent, the apparent quality of depth at running back or at linebacker. All of a sudden we're talking about depth at positions that we didn't, uh, we didn't anticipate. You got to go linebacker because I think Kaiser was not really somebody we had spent much time talking about. And then he had a great game. I think that, you know, Kyron Williams had a good camp. Tyree is not a surprise. Um, you know, Lemister ran all over a really terrible defense, but like, looks like a guy who like the way I viewed the running back is like, Sebo Flemister did absolutely nothing to move up the depth chart from number three. But there is no way he should be lower than number three moving forward. Um, and that's and that's fine. Whereas like linebacker, you're like, oh, maybe they have a few more guys who can play than I than I originally would have thought. Yeah, I I guess I figured that uh if the offensive line was great, the running backs would be really good. But they've impressed me in the way they run. They've uh, we talked about that earlier. They've they've just impressed me as running backs now. As Tim said, they have a they have a nice head start going all the time and they're barreling <laughs> downhill and they're just running at the second level and when guys are falling down because Aaron Banks is pummeling them and they're swinging their arms at you, it's easier to run through those tackles than if they were standing there waiting for you. I mean, Jared Patterson was in danger of being called for ineligible receiver downfield, but not really. I mean, he was just blocking people off the ball. He was really, really good. Um, yeah, and Jamir Smith, short yardage, maybe Jafar Armstrong, everybody's clamoring for him to change positions. He's had a 20-yard reception out of the backfield, and an 18-yard reception out of the backfield. So just let him stay where he is and move him around and put him in the slot. Yeah. You can't – you know, you have you have enough running backs to go around if those first three are, are, uh, are doing what they did last weekend. I get that point, though, Tim, because uh, it is probably the worst thing he does is hand him the ball in the zone read and let him go. You know, no, I, so I, he I just does that. other things very well. Yeah, I get but that. You but can you, keep him been, in his running back position. He's yeah. been training at running back for two and a half years, and right. now you're going to. It, there's not going to be a. You can't do a crash course at receiver, and and expect him to contribute right away. He hasn't played there in, in more than two years. Yeah, I think as long as he gets the ball in the passing game, he can play running back all he wants. That's kind of the strongest thing. B-Man yep. 2017, it seems Ian Book is much more successful throwing the ball with a moving pocket or after play action. Do you think Reese will call fewer and fewer straight dropbacks as the season progresses? I, you, can't, you can't do that. I mean, to me, that's the equivalent of saying that uh, uh, running up on the pitch in a batter's box as a, as a baseball hitter is better than being stationary and trying to hit the ball. I, you know, you can, you can – does that make any sense? I mean, you can, you can roll out. I know out what you're saying, but you're I've never heard anybody more, say that. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't, you can't be more accurate. You can't be more accurate rolling than you are in straight drop back. You're stationary and everything is set up. Your shoulders are square. Your feet are right, theoretically. Uh, you, you, yes, he, he has been effective rolling out and throwing. Okay, great. But you can't get away from the straight drop back. I mean, that, that's where your highest percentage should be other than, you know, screen passes. Yeah, I mean, as far as the play action comment, like, yeah, who wouldn't want to call play action plays every time? But the reason they work is because you don't call them every time. Right, right. Now, I mean, I, yeah. I, I get, B man, I get the question, but you, you, you <laughs> I mean, straight back, straight drop back is where you should be the most accurate. You have everything going for you fundamentally, um, you know, setting up as a quarterback. Anon 2762941 underscore scout. Great name. Are you guys alarmed by books play the first two weeks? A little bit. I mean, especially because, yeah. I mean, the, the, the tough part about this, se- I mean, one of the tough parts about this season is that it feels like a one-game season, and that one game is on November 7th. And so everything I watch is like, well, is this good enough to be Clemson or not? And I would go not and not. And so that's, that's tricky. I mean, that's a ridiculous way and an impossible standard to evaluate somebody on, but that's, that's what I'm doing with this yeah. year, just cause that's, that's how I feel about it. And I, and I agree. And I'm always the one that says, you know, let things play out and see how he develops. And, and yet, what did I write after the game? You're not going to win a national title with this guy playing quarterback the way he's playing quarterback. You just aren't, you can't, because think about that. You have to win, you have to win 
tightly contested games. You have to make plays when the pressure is the greatest against the greatest opponent you've had that season. And twice. It, it, right, twice. And if you you know if you're hitting the if at home with no fans, you're hitting the safety in the helmet on a. It was a, a bad throw. On a ball that, oh, I mean, come on. Or, or there's nobody in the stands. There, there's no, there's no, there's no pressure from, you know, you McKinley's McKinley's wide open on a crossing route. And, and I just, I don't, I don't understand at this stage why uh, this is happening. So am I, am I alarmed? Well, I don't get, a, I, I, I don't know that I get alarmed by these things. I'm conditioned to expect. You sound bothered. I am. I am. Uh, I do. Uh, I am a person with emotions, and so they tend to to leak through there every now and then. But uh, yeah, I I'm conditioned to expect this, and I guess it uh, alarms me a little bit at the same time. Terry Benedict, will Isaiah Foskey have better numbers this year than Julian Alquara did his senior year? He doesn't have to go very far to get yeah, there. Yeah, you got her. That's a tough one. Julian Aquara won the Virginia game. We should remember that about Julian Aquara's yeah, senior did. year. Foskey's um, yeah. a heck of a player, though. That's uh, uh, The plays he makes are not just – like as Tim pointed out, the first play ever made, no one blocked him. But but since then, the play on Chase Bryce, just the knowledge of what was going on and that he didn't bite on that. I, I We thought he was going to have a good year, and he's better now than I thought he would be to start the season. And yeah, they I use think- him. I mean, the more interesting thing is, is he going to have a more productive statistical year than Dalen Hayes? Um, how do his snaps change throughout the year? Because, you know, Obi Agufo was out, so does that impact his snaps last week? Maybe a little bit, but that, w- that would be another instance mm-hmm. where if you're Notre Dame, you'd be like, all right, um, let's just give all of 29 snaps to seven, and then we have seven on the field twice as much as we did before. Right. Yeah, I, you know, Dalen Hayes um... – I think they need to use him a little bit differently, especially when Gofu is available to you if he's proving that he can rush the passer. Um, because that's just, I mean, that's just not a, a Dalen Hayes forte, uh, being, a, being a pure pass rusher. Anyway, the question is statistically, in nine games, Aquara had 18 tackles. Foskey has four. Uh, six tackles for loss for Aquara. Foskey already has two and a half. Four sacks. The Foskies too. Uh, I didn't find a. Notre Dame changed their stats from 2019. I didn't find their uh, QB hurries from 2019, but mm-hmm. Foskey already has four, so he should pretty much zip past uh, Oquara. Next question from CMU Pens fan: Is the zone blocking scheme this year the best sign of Tommy Reese and Jeff Quinn working together to make the offense work? something that did not always happen with Quinn and Long. It's a good sign. They have a better relationship, that's for sure. Um, you know, I don't think Long and Quinn ever got along from the get-go. Uh, so when they parted ways, and I think Reese is certainly a lot more smooth around the edges than uh, the guy he replaces, the OC. It's such a weird thing. I'm sorry, it's such a weird thing. You guys are getting paid that much money. To make an offense work, I'm a little offended by it. I really am. I mean, you really, you, what, what is the point of holding that long of a grudge that you cannot work together with someone that you absolutely 100% have to work together? It's not like he couldn't work with Polian and give him players for special teams. Like they have a symbiotic relationship that he had to work with. I would agree. As it relates to the zone blocking scheme, I don't think that really has anything to do with that relationship but this is what Reese wants to run does he is are the lines of communication between the offense coordinator and the offensive line coach greater yes but I don't know that that necessarily has anything to do with I mean zone blocking scheme fits what they do it, it fits their running backs it fits their veteran offensive line I think that's why that's working more than anything Jim underscore Booney underscore CRS of the true freshman not named Clarence Lewis who flashed the most? And let's talk about, have we talked about Clarence Lewis yet? Let's talk about him yeah, a little bit too. He had, he had a day, didn't he? Chris yeah, he Tyree did. Fine to me. Yeah, Chris Tyree, this is a Monday musing, by the way, but I went with two games. Chris Tyree obviously has had two games oh, of uh, contributions. I think Jim um, Booney, CRS, is probably thinking about others beyond him. All right, Michael Mayer. Yeah, Michael Mayer. 
Um, and then my my fourth guy is Batello, who uh, others, uh, I, others. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Batello, who uh, almost scored a touchdown and was awarded one, and uh, he was and then, he was involved in the play, and I then mean, spun was... the football and could have got a fifteen yard penalty. The way Brian Kelly was describing Batello's personality made me think he was actually tackling people on campus just for no reason. <laughs> Which that's. It would be okay, honestly. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think I I don't think there's any doubt that Jordan Battelle is heavily caffeinated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean the that, ones who played, um, you know, I, I didn't see anything from the the other freshman corners offered in Henderson. They got in late. Um, you know, Riley Mills is impressive physically, and the coaching staff thought enough of him to play him earlier in the game. Right. You know, it's like he right. didn't have to wait till blowout time to get in. No, Adam, Adam Alola was out. That was part of it, Jason. Adam yeah, Alola. I'm not sure. I'm not sure <laughs> if you take out Lewis, Mayor, Tyree. I'm not sure that the other freshmen really flashed for me in any any real way. Yeah, Batello. I mean, Batello was a handful, man. I mean, did you see yeah. the way he hit the, yeah, the punter, punter after? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I he wiped him out. That was like a, a he sideswiped him like a like a car wiping him out. I feel like he would have done that even if the ball was on the ground <laughs> and he could have picked it up and scored. Just decide, I'm just going to hit him and then somebody else can pick up the ball and score a touchdown. Yeah, That just has his attitude. I didn't, think Riley, I didn't think Riley Mills did anything of real note. I mean, it was kind of a – he got a lot of snaps, and I, I think I would – and this is just me personally. You'd like to see Cross – I think Mills got more snaps than Cross – and I in think Cross first, needs more snaps. In the first half, it was four. They each got four snaps. You know, and that's in the second half. I'm not sure how much the game. Yeah, in mattered. the second half, I think Mills got more. Mills just, you know, I mean, it's his first game, and he yeah. locked up, and he didn't. He didn't get off many blocks. But uh, I, that's just. I think Cross has. Cross is a little bit further along. I'd like to see him get a little bit more snaps. We have more freshmen. BL Caseburn, am I making too much of Alexander Ehrensberger? The dude is huge and has speed. He looked amazing out there. Pump the brakes for me. He was a, he was considered a project, you know, recently, according to, to Brian Kelly. But Brian Kelly said he, he used the right technique. Uh, he, he beat a bad offensive lineman, but he used the right technique and got to him and got the sack. You know, he's still he's, – he's, he's just shy of six foot seven, so he's still growing into his body. I, I don't – I don't necessarily think that we're going to see a whole bunch more of him just because of where he is on the depth chart, but you like the frame and you like what he did. And Hey, anytime a guy comes in the first game yes. and plays really, nice. really well, yeah. like Jack, you know, Jack Kaiser has been on field, but when it's a moment of truth and you have to play and you play well, that's impressive. Is it easier in an empty stadium? Yes, I think it is, but still impressive is, is impressive. Six defensive ends can pump the brakes. But other than that, he's had a good game. There's, yeah. there's a lot of guys playing defensive end on this team that are pretty good. Denver Maximus, how would you evaluate the play of the safeties through two games? What does the absence of Isaiah Pryor tell us? Are there traits involved or are other players much better? Uh, I think the safeties have been a pleasant surprise, um, particularly with Hamilton being out for 75% of the time. Isaiah Pryor is playing Rover, which I think we might have referenced on this podcast before. Yeah, we did. So and he got it, in. He got in at Rover too. He had yeah, a little I mean, bit of a the, the traits there are that he's not athletic enough to play safety the way the staff sees it. Um, no, it's not it's not traits of, you know, off no, no. stuff. Off field field traits, stuff. No. He's just yeah. he's, he, he's not a good enough player. Uh, you know, Crawford's missed a tackle or two, but I think he's played well. Uh, I think DJ Brown should have two interceptions and he has zero. Uh, he's he's missed some tackles. Um, Our next question is related, Tim. If you want to go opinion on Houston Griffiths' play, yeah, from uh, Akalus, opinion on Houston Griffiths' play. I, I thought it was better, but I still think he's a very inconsistent football player for a guy that's that's been in twenty eight football games. I, I I just think he's really inconsistent. I don't. I I just I I don't see a consistency and level of play from him. I think the one thing that everybody's right about is you don't know enough about Notre Dame right now, but you will know about the secondary, I think, after they leave Wake Forest. If Hamilton doesn't play, you'll know a lot about the secondary because they'll be stressed by the passing game a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they have athletes on the outside. I know they, if they lost Surratt, it would be a concern. But They have a quarterback who can complete a pass. Right. They have a running back that can run. They have receivers that can run and play. So I think this will challenge them. If, if Hamilton's out there then, and, and healthy, then Hamilton covers up mistakes that don't matter. And it, won't, it won't matter. But if you have Griffith 
DJ Brown, Sean Crawford, and um, I guess that you'd be a three-man rotation without without Hamilton out there. That's all there is. Yeah, uh, I think Pryor yeah. is a linebacker. Hamilton will play this week. Crawford's I mean, got to play seventy. Unless he hit, yeah, that, that's that's your concern. I, I love I you know KJ Wallace. I love the body language. I, lo- I love the, yeah, yeah. the way he carried himself, you know, uh, aggressively and fired up and ready to hit somebody. I think those are all positives. But Griffith is going to have to, you know, he's going to have to play a lot this weekend. Um, you know, how, mu- how, how much are they willing to trust Wallace at this stage? He hasn't been a safety very long. Um, I don't know. We'll see. It's a, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a precarious situation back there. But I think the frontline guys have have played well. I think Crawford's played well. Hamilton's a freak. You can feel good when those two guys are on the field. But you you can't Crawford can't play seventy five snaps every week. They've they've got to have more consistency behind them. Cassie Nova eight uh, seventy eight. Should Bo Bauer or Jack Kaiser overtake Drew White for a starting linebacker position due to the fact that both backups look significantly better during games? No. I don't, I just disagree with the question. I think Drew White looks fine. I think it's interesting um, that Bo Bauer has played well enough in August to be put on the field instead of White in situations to rotate, and that he's doing pretty well when he's out there. That's a great. That's great for the Notre Dame defense that Drew White doesn't have to play uh, seventy snaps. Yeah. And Bo Bauer has won the nickel linebacker role. Have you noticed that? Yeah, no, I was surprised. I, yeah, I noticed that last against Duke. I was like, right, right, because you're thinking like you want the linebacker who's good in space and can cover, and like, nope. Yeah, I guess you want the linebacker who could just like plow through the line of scrimmage <laughs> and blow somebody up. That yeah. works too. I think they have three good ones playing right now, um, and hopefully they'll have a fourth playing at some point too. Because Kaiser, you know, maybe Kaiser doesn't. Kaiser might not look as good in 78 snaps against Wake Forest, right? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Possible. I mean, he could he could probably need he could probably use fifty five snaps. Instead you could of think that. Dave Clawson would be like, huh? All right, so you have a linebacker who's never really played. I'm going to put him in some conflict situations, right. and maybe he wouldn't look so good. You've got a good situation going there. Drew White is the runs the operation from the middle of the line. Bo Bauer's playing well. Jack, yeah, Clark, it's a good Kaiser story that well. he's involved. Yeah, uh, you don't need to you don't need to shake everything up to be effective. You just need to continue to build upon what has already been effective. Swarbrick for Prez, is this the deepest team Notre Dame has had in 20 years? That takes us back to the uh, Fiesta Bowl loss to Oregon State, if you guys want to be really I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, uh, so this millennium. Well, I think that, you know, I mean, from a talent standpoint, the depth of talent, and again, we're in an era where you're trying to play more players for a variety of reasons. Um, I think it's the best since Lou Holtz, which is 24 years ago. I know Pete right now in his mind is thinking about the 2015 team, but my thought process is they probably didn't play as many guys. So if that, if to the point of the question, they do have more guys you can put in and play. Cause I don't think Van Gorder, he clearly didn't have, he couldn't put in Niles Morgan for any reason whatsoever. Yeah. So if you go that way, then yeah, this is they you can trust the depth more. Um, and if depth doesn't mean starters, they had, it probably is right. Cause in 2012, I mean, Brian Kelly lamented depth. Um, well, I guess, because really, the question is like, how good is their their players twenty three through forty four? Right. Uh, yes. That's the, yes. that's really what this question is about. And you know, at linebacker, pretty good. Safety, good. Corner. Well, Clarence good. Lewis. Deep, Clarence Lewis is a backup. Defensive so lineman, yeah. Yeah. potentially great. Right. Quarterback. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> offensive line. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we've where Notre Dame's depth is most tenuous. We have not seen them have to go to it. All right, we still didn't go and get into Clarence Lewis, did we? I mean, we mentioned his name, but just didn't talk about. I mean, I, I my I goodness, like I mean that yeah. that is every bit as impressive in a different way because different positions and responsibilities. That was every bit as impressive as Kaiser, I thought. Yeah, because I mean, you get the a, ball thrown at you a lot in garbage time, and he did a great job. I mean, yeah. and during the game, no, not just garbage time, but you know, he, he could have. He yeah, could have had two targets. picks. That that first deep ball on the sideline that he just reached over and knocked out. All he had to do was step in front of it and make the grab, and he had the fourth and four that he knocked down that that was incomplete. But he could have had two interceptions. I love his balance. I mean, he 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 turns to see the ball and he's ready to make a play on it because he's completely balanced. Three passes broken up in your first game, a start. The deep ball in the end zone, nonchalantly gets a hand up there. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and, and makes a play, had a tackle for loss on the play where uh, Usu Koromoa shot through. Uh, I knew Usu Koromoa was <laughs> – I knew he wasn't going to have a great game here because that is a Charlie Weiss Jr. He's, he's scheming off of the rover. And he, and and he, and you know, so he did one thing. He got Owusu Koromoa off the football, but that was that was about it. But Clarence Lewis was uh, man. I tell you, every bit of what Brian Kelly said about him, you know, there, I guess there were a couple plays where he was off his man a little bit. I'm sure he can tighten that up. That's a really good football player waiting to get a lot better. Speaking of depth, Denver Maximus, what does Notre Dame need to do to get the wideouts and vertical passing game to be a threat? Uh, get a mid-season grad transfer. Have have better wideouts. Yeah, that's that's my point. I mean, I I I don't know, I don't know how you you have to stretch the field with Lindsey. You yes, have to you stretch do. the field with Davis. You have to. That's stretch why the field he had to. Keys. That's why he had to throw that ball deep to Lindsey when he had a chance. It doesn't matter if it's if it's give it a shot. It's Braden Lindsey. Throw overthrow Braden Lindsey and see what happens. Right. Yeah. See if you can do it. Right. Yeah. See if you can, yeah. Right? Yeah, I, you know, there aren't easy answers here. You're going to have to tremble. You're going to have to send on a seam route. Mayor on seam routes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you're going to do it with the, the you know, Davis and, and Keys are, you don't normally do that, I guess, with your slot receiver, but right. you may have to move them around a little bit. I mean, they bit. tried to do that with Keys against Duke. It didn't, it well, was that was right. a, and that was a ridiculous throw. That was a ridiculous pass attempt. It's just like, hey, every every offense has strengths and weaknesses. I mean, we've spent half this podcast talking about how great the offensive line, the tight ends are, and the run game is creative. Like, that's a strength. Vertical passing game is going to be a weakness. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that's going to change that much. You can't – you got to be a real special team to be good at all things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just you, – you can't do that. There's always some give and take. If you ever, And even if you're good at a couple things, you emphasize one more than the other. So. Uh, I wouldn't get overly, you know, I kind of what you said, Pete, looking toward November 7th, although uh, there's a question coming down here that we'll address. It talks about the rest of the ACC. Wash ND, what is the most surprising? Aaronsberger getting his first sack, Botello getting a scoop and score off a block punt after nearly murdering the punter. <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, Wash ND did. Or Jack Kaiser, Wally Pipping, Maris Leofow, and Shane Simon. I mean, Aaron's, yeah, Aaronsburg was one play. I loved it, but <laughs> Jack Kaiser was the player of the game for real. Not just because, yeah. like, oh, he did such a good job. Jack Kaiser, at one point I'm watching, I'm looking at my chart. I write down, like, third down with the guy that makes the play on third down. It's like, Kaiser, Kaiser. Oh, Kamara, Kaiser, Kaiser. It's like, what? That is a half of football that Jack Kaiser played. Yeah. It was tremendous. And it's, I guess the only surprise, that's not a huge surprise there, is that they didn't, we didn't know what we had in Leah Fowler, Simon, and now I think they know what they have in Kaiser. I want to throw this in about, you know, because we're older. I'm really old. Um, Wally Pip was the guy that was injured, <laughs> and Lou Gehrig replaced him and then proceeded to start to play 2,200, 2,400 straight games or whatever it was. Uh, well, I think Botella scoring a touchdown is the most surprising. I guess if you're betting, like if it was yes. a prop right, bet, right, you would have right. made the That's most right. money off Jordan Batella scoring on special teams. <laughs> or Jordan Batella being the first freshman to score, right? Oh, Tyree, yeah, did, I mean, did he beat Tyree to the touchdown? Oh, <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, Tyree yeah, beat him yeah. to the touchdown. Good call. Um, I guess I'm not I guess I'm not shocked by Kaiser because I know how Clark Lee feels about him. He's just such a good I mean, he's the MVP of the game. That's oh god that's a crazy thing. He, you know. He was he was so instinctual and in the right place so often. Uh, I, I, between him and Clarence Lewis, I, I just raved. <laughs> Rewatching the game on my own, like, you know, you got to be kidding me. These guys are playing really, really good football. They were really, really good against a really, really bad football team. The real Bob Nas, Brian Kelly's halftime speech. I like it. I love it. I want more of it. That is not a question. <laughs> Well, before I, heard what Bri- I, before I heard what Brian Kelly said in response to uh, Pete Sampson's question today, what I wrote down was, I wouldn't want my team talk televised if I were the head coach. And apparently, 
Brian Kelly didn't expect that yeah. to be on the air. And I, and I get that, um, you know, I love it. I mean, yeah, any, in a locker room, you can say whatever the hell you want. If people had, if people had recorded some of the things that I said to my baseball teams, <laughs> the censor would have uh, prevented it from being on the air. Trust me. I thought it was great. I, and I wish that he today had said like, yeah, I knew that was being recorded. Yeah. That's what I meant. Because to me, it's something that I would have expected to hear from Ryan Day or Ed Orgeron or Davo Swinney without apology that we are going to run this team off the field. And I don't give a crap what anybody thinks about it. We're running up the score and we're shutting them out because, I mean, what I think Notre Dame has struggled to get that sort of mentality bred into the roster sometimes. So I'd love to see that he was going there in game two. Um, so, but then, you know, he backs away from it on Monday. And I was like, oh, okay. yeah, but that's just public into it. No, I mean, it, it, you can say whatever you want to say to your team. Nobody wants that to be public. I mean, no coach wants that. No. To be- I get, I just like there, it's not like NBC's, this was the 30th year of NBC, <laughs> not the first. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I just want him to be like, yes, this is the mentality we need to have. Which it was. It, which I'm it was with his team. Totally That's fine all with everyone matters. knowing it. it yeah. I liked it, but I like tunnel fights. So I'm, I like all those type of things. That's good. I'm all for it. We need a tunnel fight. Clemson has to have a tunnel fight. Otherwise, it's not a game. Mm. You heard it here first. <laughs> Callahan Auto Parts, besides the health of... Kyle Hamilton, what concerns do you have with the defense moving forward? I don't, I don't even have a concern about Kyle Hamilton. I think he's playing this week. Um, quarterback depth. Uh, I know Brian Kelly said that Nick McLeod was fine and they wanted to get Cam Hart more work, but I, I just sort of don't believe it. The, um, the question though, Pete, yeah. if I could interrupt, I'm sorry, once again, for the millionth time in my life with you. <laughs> uh, the question is about defense. What are your concerns defensively? That's what I'm saying. Nick McLeod. Nick McLeod. Oh. Corner corner depth. Oh, I thought you said quarterback. I thought you meant quarterback. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. I I think that they are short on corners. And what worked against South Florida with a quarterback who couldn't throw may not work against Wake Forest. Certainly, it's not going to work as well. Uh, Might be fine against Florida State. Against Louisville, it's going to be tricky. So, I just think that Nick McLeod's health moving forward is something to continue to monitor, even though Brian Kelly said that he pulled him earliest to get Cam Hart more work. I'm we'll, we'll see about that. I guess is how I would view that. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think of any Louisville is going to stress them uh, in that way. Maybe Kenny Pickett can at Pittsburgh because you don't have to do it all game long. You just have to make a couple plays against a couple corners uh, and depth seems okay. I mean, everywhere else, obviously, we were worried about Buck. Not anymore. They the <laughs> well, cor- cornerback <laughs> no depth, safety depth, the the entire secondary yeah. depth. Yeah, the entire secondary is fair to say. I, I mean, I think he, I, I watching Houston Griffith and DJ Brown. If Cal- if Cal- Hamilton's not out there, I like to see how they perform against Wake Forest. That's a fair assessment of the of they had a, they had an easier job against uh, South Florida than they will this week. Yeah, and Foskey's doing all the pressuring. At defensive end. He is. I just feel like MTA will make get some pressure. If if someone's not doing it, I think they'll bring in Botello. We haven't seen a Goku yet. I think Ogundeji was to... Ogundeji was pretty quiet on Saturday. That may yeah, have been, he almost that had may a have day off. Game, that, that may have been game planning a little bit. Right, right. Superman TD Jesus, have you mentally prepared for the possibility that both Notre Dame and Miami could challenge Clemson and maybe play for the ACC title? Yes, after watching – Miami play Louisville the other night. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I thought Miami was extremely impressive. Derek King is a difference maker for them at quarterback. Yeah. And I, the, the way they played defensively against Louisville, how they defended the width of the field in waves, I thought was really, really impressive. I was really impressed with Miami the other night. Yeah. I never thought that Notre Dame avoiding Miami would be like, right. Well, they caught a break, but they caught a break on that they're one. Good. They're good. 
they're fast on defense again. And the real key though is Derek King. They, they, they can often be fast on defense. They've been good against the run on third down, even in these years where they blow games, they, that's not how they blow games, but with Derek King, he's going to make a difference. Uh, and it's going to really test Notre Dame, hopefully in the ACC championship game, right? That would be good for fans reading, listening right now. That's uh if that's what you run into them, that's fine. But they have Florida State, who pretty much might be a completely imploded this week. And then uh, they have a bye week and Clemson. So we'll see a lot more from Miami when they go, I believe, at Clemson. Yeah, we have to be at Clemson. Otherwise, I would have made note of it being Yeah, they're at Clemson on October 10th. Yeah. Ooh, that's something to look forward to very soon here. Uh, and we close with a question from... Statman72, when was the last time Notre Dame fans had so little to complain about after a football game? I thought about this for a minute. <laughs> Syracuse was the last time, right? Syracuse. 2018, uh, Yankee 2018. Stadium. Guys running around, killing people <laughs> the whole time. Uh, I figured you guys were going to have to go back to the Fiesta Bowl at the end of the 88 season. I don't know. I don't know. We've managed to, at least I managed to moan about Ian Book's performance at quarterback, and now, but it's true. I mean, um, you know, when you a lot of times after a game like this, it's like, why didn't they get more snaps for this guy, this guy, and this guy? And that really isn't the case this time because they did get snaps. Uh, okay, Drew Pine could have thrown a little bit more. How about that? He's not asking for more laments. He's wondering <laughs> when's the last time we didn't have oh. as many laments. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I had that. I, I think I read that somewhere on our message board. So I was just trying to contribute to the conversation. Actually, people were upset that Phil uh, that Phil Dracovic was not Notre Dame's quarterback on our message board on Saturday. I yeah, didn't notice that. I, you know, it's a good I game. Saw, he did. Uh, you know, I when I saw him, he played pretty well. He was a lot better in the second half. He was sacked four times in the first half. But he did he did a nice job. I tell you what, get the ball to Zay Flowers and I'll make you look better as a quarterback too. Because that guy's that guy's really good and really explosive. So good for him. Good for him. Uh, we'll see if we'll see if Nordane faces him much further down the road with all the things that can happen in, in 2020. Uh, we appreciate you joining us for Irish Illustrated Insider. Until Thursday, thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.